Well, a very good evening to each and every one of you joining me, Miss Belinda Scandal, for a very special episode tonight of Your Manchester. Now, normally we are inundated with guests within our show, but tonight I thought it was only appropriate with the success that she's been having over the last few years to focus on one person and one person only. Now, she's a dear friend of mine and uh, we've known each other for around about 10 years now, everybody. And as we'll find out later, there's a good reason why we know each other. But this lady is just going from strength to strength to strength. And if you've been watching the newspapers this week, you'll know she's about to play Mary Sunshine in the wonderful musical uh, Chicago. Chicago, everybody. Yes, indeed. So please welcome our special guest for this evening. It's the one and only Davina DeCampo. Good evening. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Oh, uh, well, we, we, I wanted to do this and I've been wanting to do this for a while. I mean, we've had you on various bits of the programme, but we've never managed to sit down properly, have we? No. And now we're doing it through this the magic a piece of, of plastic. A piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get more bizarre, does it? <laughs> now, we've got a roundabout... Well, listen, yes. the pair of us are sat like this. You're talking about it doesn't get much more bizarre and look at the state of us. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, you're looking gorgeous. You're looking like you're ready to take on the world. I've got my, my widow's... My, Wizard sleeve. Wizard sleeve. Yes. <laughs> yes. And my dress. And my... <laughs> oh, there we go. Whereas I'm dressed in what can only be described as the remnants of Emu. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Do you remember him? He fell off the roof. I, I do remember him. Emu. Yeah. 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 God rest his soul. <laughs> he, he died him, though. <laughs> died him. He's died him. You've died him. I die everything orange these do, days, <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. It's important to do so, isn't it? Now, Nothing wh- about your bathroom habits. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want, I want, how'd you go from that to, I want to get serious <laughs> with you tonight. You, know, you knew full well. We've been rehearsing this, viewers, for a good few hours today to make sure that everything's absolutely hunky dory. Yeah. And I've watched, I've watched you get ready. Yeah. Which I've never seen Sat actually before. Sat on this very floor. Sat on the floor. A plain face. Yeah. I mean, the floor is probably the best place to put my face on, to be honest. That's where it usually I scrape it off off on a Saturday morning anyway. I was going to say, you've probably had your face on a few floors anyway, haven't you? (laughs) Yes. Pillows, floors, walls. (laughs) Darling, anywhere I can put my face, it's going. (laughs) You are. I am going to get to this. I am. (laughs) You you are going from strength to strength. And it has been three years since we sat down and had a good old natter. Yeah, I mean, we've done bits and pieces, but we've not sat down and had a good natter. No. So, first of all, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Like, uh, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm sure you're aware of that. Yes. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a strange one, though, hasn't it? It has. How's the last year been for you? Uh, I've been really, really lucky yeah. in that I've done... Um, I'd kind of done enough work where I'd put enough to one side mm-hmm. uh, that I knew I would be okay up until now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can't stop laughing. And then I just, I just kept really busy. I just, I anybody who asked me to do something, I said yes. So I did loads of like really strange and fun projects. Like there was um, the because Eurovision was cancelled. Yes. A comedian set up the uh, isolation song contest. Oh, right. So I represented Australia for the Isolation Song Contest. I'm afraid I didn't win Australia. I'm very sorry. Um, So I wrote a song about um, put your banger on my barbie, put your dingo in my ooch. You can take me up the Gold Coast, show me what is good. 
Um, and you didn't win with that. No, I know. Un- wow. Unbelievable. I'm shocked. Un- to like, say the least. I was also shocked. Mel Gedroyd won. <laughs> but you've worked with her a few times, haven't you, Hard Mel? Hey, <laughs> you know what she's all about. Yeah, she's winning. Winning. <laughs> winning. Uh, we, we want to take you back to the beginning. Now, you're from Brighouse. Now, until you went on RuPaul's Drag Race, nobody would have probably heard of Brighouse, would they? Well, I mean, that depends how cultured you are, darling. That well, depends how cultured you are, oh, because... All right, then, no. Brickhouse <laughs> and Rastrick Brass Band... Uh, as seen on Brast Off. Right. And they are a world-famous brass band. Yeah. So that's how a lot of people would know Brick House. Yeah. Um, or Embrace. What's Embrace? Uh, that uh, kind of middle-of-the-road rock band. That sounds really mean, doesn't it? <laughs> um, what, what were the songs that they sang? I've got no idea. They've got one out recently, though. Well, they were um, popular, they, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they were they've, in the charts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, kind of Brit indie pop, that sort of So what's vibe. Brick House like then? Describe it. I would describe <laughs> Brick House as a sort of Jekyll and Hyde town. Right. You know, in the daytime, it's charity shops and hairdressers. Yeah. yeah. And then at nighttime, lock your door and don't leave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, every, everywhere has a little bit of a town like that, don't they? Stay in, stay safe. Uh, but actually, they've been doing some really great things recently. Yeah. Um, they've been holding loads of different kinds of festivals and fairs and stuff like that. So they have like the Victorian festival and they have like a, um, you know, cheese and wine and, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. So actually as a town, it's, it is trying to kind of book the trend of the town centre dying and it's bringing more in. And what about creating... growing up there? Was that an easy thing for you? No. No? Brick, Brick House is a, a very small community right. and it has that kind of very small town mentality. mentality or at least it did while I was growing right. up there um, that doesn't mean that everybody was awful that's not the case at no, all no. you know there were lots of lovely people yeah. but it was very homophobic it was very racist um, and uh, and that just you know that made it difficult growing up there um, so I was determined that that was not where I was going to end my days yeah <laughs> <laughs> and growing up in Brighouse, was you always this flamboyant? Oh my gosh, I was even worse. Really? I was like the veritable row of tents. Right. I was that camp. <laughs> like, Christmas has nothing on me. Okay. I, you know, flares, super tight flares, like spray on flares, crop top, choker, <laughs> little tiny denim jacket. Like, I thought I was in Bewitched, in my double denim, strolling down. Wait, come on. But you're, you're saying you know. it was difficult growing up in there. You, you didn't fight against yourself then, tell me about it. You did exactly what you wanted. You wore exactly what you wanted to wear. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the more that people were like that with me at that time, the yeah. more I pushed against them. Good. And was, like, more, well, you know, shove you. Yeah. <laughs> and aspirations. Aspirations as a... Words. As a uh, young person, what are your aspirations? I wanted to do musical theatre. Yeah, yeah. Ever since I was 14, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I'd made that kind of clear decision at 14. I'd been to ballet class, yeah. you know, since I was three. I'd been in all the choirs. I'd done every Amdram show that I could be in. Yeah. You know, I, I was in it, every school production, all of that stuff. Um, and musical theatre was the thing that I really wanted to do because it kind of marries all of that of stuff. Of course, yeah. It? You know, the acting, yeah. dancing and singing um, was there one particular role that you wanted to aim for in I, musical theatre? Yeah, there was actually. I really wanted to Go be on. Marius. What? Marius? In Les Mis. Yeah, I re- oh. 
There's a grief that can't be spoken. Oh, empty chairs, empty exactly. table. Which I want actually to sing sums that. up my career perfectly. <laughs> it does. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> You're doing all right. Okay. You've aspired. Now tell everybody, where was your first gig in Manchester? My first gig in Manchester was at the Remba yeah. with Belinda Scandal. Yes. You, you were fully booked and recommended by me because, you know, you were talented. You were, <laughs> you were known for your talent. And you were known because you had this... Uh, you had this reputation for having one of these really, what was classed in them days as a strange range for yes. a drag queen. Yeah. And you've still got that now. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely. Just, you're not like most of us that go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you go from there all the way up to how many octaves can you do? Uh, well, there is four and a half. And on a good day, there might be five. But four and a half, we're pretty safe with that. Yeah? Yeah. Amazing. As um, long as I've had a good sleep. If I haven't had a sleep, because it's the first place yeah. where if you're tired... It, it immediately shows in your voice. So, you know, if you've not had a decent sleep the night before, yeah, you, you're lucky. No, I've had to stop smoking over the last few weeks because we might be going back to work. I might be able to do a bit of singing. And even yeah. my, my little tired voice still needs a bit of help. So yours with the soaring range must constantly need good care and looking after. How do you look after your voice? I, I don't. And you I don't. really should. <laughs> but I mean, you're going into a musical. Surely now's the time to start. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm getting back into... Uh, doing more proper training with my voice and really thinking about what I'm doing technically yeah. when I'm singing, which I, I haven't really done very much of, if I'm completely honest, um, when, you know, for probably the past 10 years, I haven't really thought as much as I should do about what I'm doing with my voice when I'm singing. I mean, for those that didn't see it, you, of course, went on the voice all the chairs were turned around. Yeah. We weren't expecting it. You didn't really publicise the fact you were going on it. And then you turn out with this fantastic voice. Now, listen, when did you first realise that you could do all of that? I, I'd always been singing ever since I was really little. So when I was about three or four, reception in junior school, the headmaster, I don't know what we would have been singing. I don't know. I can't remember. But. He said, oh, we've got a little Pavarotti with us tonight. Oh. Or today or what, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was pointing at me. And so obviously I'm like, I don't know who Pavarotti is. I just know that this big man who's in charge of everything is pointing at me and I'm tiny. But he didn't stop me singing, did he? I can't have been that embarrassed. No, I mean, <laughs> you, did, you did great with it. So how long did you stay in Brighouse for then? Was you there? All, all the way, so all the way until I was um, 18. 18. Yeah, 18, um, and um, then I disappeared to university. To study. Well, I didn't actually, that's a lie. I took a year out. Right. Um, high school was really traumatic. Why? Just constant bullying from everybody. Like, it was Section 28 times, so it's really homophobic. The 90s just were really homophobic. Yeah, it was horrendous. Just were. Um, so, and then, you know, teachers and people in positions felt like they couldn't do anything about it even though that wasn't really what the legislation said um so they did and then those who didn't who were homophobic were able to just go well i'm, I'm not allowed to do anything about it Sorry. did you have a particular teacher that you could provide in uh I, there were some really great teachers actually um and i had a really great uh group of friends we and i, I didn't realize we were the geeks until we left was you a geek <laughs> I was like, I was cool. And then my mate James was like, we were like, you know, the little geeks in the music uh, department, yeah. sitting around lunch with each other because we were all a bit 
we were PK. all we were all picked on if we joined choir. Yeah, I mean, I was in because choir. Because choir sounds so much like queer, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. So you were just picked on because of that. Yeah. Luckily, my sister was the, the, the head of the, the school. Right. So if there was ever an issue, she would sort it in a blink. Oh, okay. So I was blessed. What was, who was, what was your family? Oh, massive. I'm one of seven. Right. So I've got four older brothers. Yeah. And then I've got two younger sisters. Right. Um, and so consequently, everybody knows who you are in school. Because yes. you're one of the, the clan. Yeah. You know, Um so that kind of puts extra pressure on you as well from the teachers because all my brothers are really clever. Right. They all did really well academically. Yeah. And obviously I'm, you know, fairy honey, uh, <laughs> looking out the window going... Ah, Daydreaming, ah, focusing on what's now come to fruition. You know, yeah. and, uh, and chatting and eating Louise Toddington sandwiches at the back of maths. So... And why not? I mean, she brought really nice sandwiches, so... And you mentioned a girl there. Yeah. Well, was you ever in a relationship with a yeah. girl? Yeah, oh, God. Year seven, year eight, year nine, I went out with every single girl going. <laughs> I, honestly, I must have had more girlfriends than hot dinners. Um, was, you, was you quite effeminate back then? Oh, camp as anything! <laughs> Absolutely, yeah! And what was their reaction to you being this effeminate? The girlfriends? Well, I don't know. They were just fine with it? Yeah. Well, that's I, the way it should be. Because you were just kids, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. Just, Ooh, let's go and have a kiss behind the back, <laughs> back of the bike shed. But, um, like, I'd always had a girlfriend as well. I'd gone out with this girl. Uh, her nickname's Bobby. Right. And we, at junior school, had we'd gone out right from reception, right until the last year of junior school, and then this other boy turned up who was, you know fresh meat and she was not having me anymore she was interested in but was you looking out for any fresh meat well i was quite into him as well right (laughs) okay and dare we ask who won well she did obviously yeah (sighs) no it's not on is it it's not acceptable but here we are this is life so (laughs) (laughs) so you always knew then that you were you were into the boys did you well i i I don't think you could i wasn't able to articulate it or understand what it was and obviously you're being told all the time yeah. Boys go out with girls. Yeah. Done. That's it. And That's... especially in the 90s. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, for real. And in small places like you and I were brought yeah. up in, that was what the, the norm was. Therefore, that's what you had to do. Exactly. Um, and we, st- you know, we still do it now to yeah. kids. Yeah. Kids' toys are more gendered now than mm-hmm. they were in the 90s and the 80s. They're mm-hmm. more gendered than ever. <clears throat> you know, the, yeah. the boys' section and the girls' section are, are like militantly yeah. separated now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's still that happening now, which we could talk about that. So, you, yeah, I know. So you managed to get, <laughs> you managed to uh, not get, not skate, but I mean, you leave Brickhouse, you, you, you go where then? Yeah. Um, so I did a, another year, I had a, a gap year where I just did loads of really terrible jobs, which was great. Yes. Like doing a terrible job before you go to university is great. Yeah. Because then... When you get to university, you're going to put the work in because you don't want to go back to that terrible job. <laughs> and was so you... I'd worked as like a cleaner in a hospital. Yeah. Um, MRSA was, was not my fault. I'd just like to point out, all right, that was not my fault. I was good at cleaning. Did you have a favourite normal job? Um, as I call it, a nine to fiver job. Not like this, where we basically just get paid to get drunk and have lots I of mean, fun. I mean, um, <laughs> what was the favourite? You know what? I worked in a pizza shop. That was my Saturday oh. job. I loved it. I love cutting up that. And it was so busy and fast all the time. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, So I was like the pot wash and serving. And then uh, Sharon was in the, you know, (laughs) in the back, cooking the pizzas, doing a thing. And I did all the serving. I enjoyed that. I thought it was great fun. 
Um, but I was always at like a choir concert or an orchestra yes. concert or something so like that. So you always had you always had these entertainment aspirations. Yeah, and then so at, you know, at one stage she was like, I did actually want a Saturday yeah. boy, and yeah. you're never here. So right. are you actually going to be here? <laughs> <laughs> Not really, no. Um, I mean, sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So you carried on with a good few jobs. Then what came next? So then I got to university, which was, um, it's Manchester Metropolitan. Yes. But it wasn't the uh, campus in Manchester. It was in Crew in Alsager. Oh. So I was in Alsager, which is a Cheshire. very, yeah, but a teeny tiny little place. Yes. You know, like the, the town itself as Al of Alsager had about, I don't know. How many people were in your class? 10,000 people living in it. Really? Well, there were 8,000 students on campus. Right. So, okay. you know, without the students, there's yeah. nobody there. Nobody there, yeah. Um, so in in my year, in the sort of dance and drama uh, section, there was probably, I think there was probably about 60 of us okay. in total. And there was me, Alan, and then just girls. Okay. And were you focused on honing one particular talent while you were there? Uh, no, I was trying to do kind of bits of everything and it was contemporary art. So it's like, okay. you know, rolling around naked in jam yeah. and flower and, you know, just screaming all like Saturday yeah, night out exactly, for me. Like, making whale well. sounds. So, <laughs> so uh, like they call me the jammy dodger. <laughs> <laughs> so it was lots of that. Um, but I, I just, I wanted to be in everything. Yeah. It was a really academic course. Okay. So... Anybody who was doing like their choreography or their directing piece or yeah. like they'd written a script or they had written a, like I did this girl's master's um, piece, which was like this, it was an opera that was contemporary. Yeah. So 20th century, like complicated, but also in, I think it was in Latin. So, you know, I was doing loads of different things. Anything that anybody was doing, I was trying to yeah. kind of learn off them as much as I possibly could. Because I recognised really early on in that course that this is really academic. There's lots yeah. of writing here and yeah. I don't really want to be an academic. No, you wanted to perform. Yeah. So that's always been in your nature to Absolutely. perform. Then. Absolutely. That was, and that was what I'd always wanted to do was, was perform after. And what about performance? What was the first thing that you did? Um, as a drag queen? No, as, as an entertainer in general. Before um, drag maybe. The, the first thing I was doing, like, straight out of university was um, I went and uh, I worked as a dance development officer. Okay. So I wasn't, I wasn't performing in that role, but bits of performing were kind of tied in with that role yes. as well. Yeah. So it was teaching, choreographing, working in uh, community settings with kids or adults or, you know, various different groups of people. Um, and then there were, you know, bits and pieces of performing opportunities that I could kind of latch into and go, okay, now I can, I can make something. And at that point, when you started performing, how did that make you feel? Did it give you any benefits that you took for yourself? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've always loved performing. That's always been mm -hmm. the thing that has sort of, I felt most comfortable on stage. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether, I don't know what that says about me, you know, that you go on stage and you kind of put a mask on and you mm -hmm. become somebody else. Um, but that's where I've always sort of felt most comfortable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it felt it felt great doing that, but I really enjoyed um, teaching as well. I right. really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed watching other people learning things and, and developing and developing and, and yeah. creating stuff. You know, these little 
kids who have never had a dance class in their life and then suddenly they're making But that's routines. something you continued and you were renowned for it when you were on Canal Street. Yeah. You, you used to take people. I mean, you still work with a few of them now. Yeah. And you used to take them, you used to mould them and you were never shy about it. And you were never like nasty or authoritative about it or even possessive about it. You... I mean, sometimes I was. <laughs> but Yeah, but you were giving them the... A lot of them performers that stop it. A lot of them performers you were dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me a reveal, I tell you. I only came Jack, for a like, noodle. I Jack Queens are renowned for being, like, bad at timekeeping, yeah. bad at being professional, bad at turning up with all the right costumes. Well, you're not, though. No. I have to say, this interview has gone out at 8 o'clock. You've been here since 3, making sure you are prepped for it. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's I'm like... crazy about time. I'm... Uh, somebody clocked it last week. I was rehearsing for a panto. Kerry Katona. Oh, yeah. She immediately saw it. I mean, she was like, you're a control freak, aren't you? And I was like, yes. Yes, I am. Yes. Well, so I like to control as much as I possibly can within my little sphere. Why? Um, because I, there's an element of I can't trust anybody else. Right. Uh, which I think is, you know, slightly deeper rooted than... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got time This is for not today. a therapy yeah, session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's also an element of if I mess something up, then that's my own fault and I can't blame anybody else and I can't be angry about it. You just have to deal with it right there and yeah. then. Whereas if you've put your trust in somebody and then they've completely screwed you over, which, yeah. you know, that happens. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, then I just feel like I'm mad about it. Yeah. And I'd rather not be mad about anything. No. So, you know, just try and... As much as I can, I, I try and make sure that I know exactly what's going on. Yeah, well, I mean, you help people. Yeah, also that, because I feel like I've had, honestly, I've had the most amazing people uh, in my life. Yes. My singing teacher, Alison Price-Jones, um, my lecturer at university, Sally O'Donnell, um, Karen, who taught me singing at university as well, uh, my accompanist at university, like these incredible, strong smart and insanely talented women yeah. who have given so much of themselves and their time to me. I feel like, well, I've had that opportunity and somebody else mm -hmm. deserves, you know, I'm not as good as they are. I don't have half the skill that they do. But if I can give you a little bit of what they gave me, then then that's great. Because well, I mean, even for older queens like me that have been on the circuit, for whenever I've worked with you, uh, you are always very, very giving. And uh, you, you've given a lot to, to the charities as well. And one charity that you feel very passionate about is, of course, the George House Trust, isn't it? Absolutely. What's so important about that charity for you? Well, they're Manchester-based. They um, help people living with HIV and AIDS. And, um, and I don't think that they always get the... Uh, you know, lots of the other charities have huge names behind them. And I don't think that the George House Trust always gets the amount of the platform. Okay. They don't always get the platform I think that they deserve. Um, and so being able to just kind of help and lift somebody else up a bit, you know, like Elton John's yeah. Foundation, it's enormous. It's a gargantuan yeah. organisation. Absolutely. George House Trust is just a little charity that is doing amazing things for yeah. people. Well, the CEO of uh, the George House Trust joins us right now. Good evening, Darren. How are you? Evening, thanks for having me. Absolutely no problem at all. Uh, Davina there was mentioning that perhaps you don't always get the big names that you want, but surely help having patrons and ambassadors like Davina on board must help to elevate the point that you want to get across for your charity. Absolutely. I think Davina does brilliant work for us. Um, and 
what and the difference that it makes when you've got somebody with such a profile is so amazing it is now for those that don't know too much about the george house trust davina's touched on it lightly there perhaps tell people what the george house trust is well i think davina did a brilliant job <laughs> um so thank you but as we provide support to people living with hiv and that's anybody living with hiv and so um the type of things that we do are helping people with the confidence dealing with the diagnosis financial support counseling well-being and all that kind of thing um we're just basically a holistic service for people living with hiv across greater manchester and the the program it's a sin came out has that helped or, or hindered your your plight with the charity it's, well um Another um, famous patron is Russell T. Davis, so having that connection has been excellent. Um, it's been really, really good because it's got people talking about HIV in the living rooms, people that weren't talking about HIV. It's took it into the mainstream, and the biggest thing for us is tackling the stigma around HIV. And so the more people talk about it, the more people know about it, the easier our job becomes in making HIV something we talk about, live with, and understand now of course Davina your fan base is varied in age you know you've got you know since the program that you were on you've yeah. got younger people older people following you how important do you think it is that people know the the history of the crisis I suppose with HIV that we've gone through to where we are now learning well I think you've seen kind of what's happened with the pandemic this time you know and, and people going oh, I can't believe that there's been this and and there's been such inaction well, that's exactly what happened in mm -hmm. the 80s with the AIDS crisis. You know, yeah. people went, oh, well, yeah, sit on hands and, and did nothing about it. Um, and that's because it was seen as a, a gay disease, yeah. um, which it absolutely is not. No. Um, and cases for straight people is, are on the rise. Um, and some of that is just about, uh, I don't think people are aware of how important it is to get, get yourself tested. Because like with HIV, you could be living with it for years and years and years, and you would never know. You don't have any symptoms. No. None, you know, none of that stuff shows up. For other people, it can be, you know, the symptoms show up very, very quickly. Um, and you don't know that you've got it for the first three months, you know, yeah. for the test. So there's lots of things around HIV that I think people still don't know, um, which means that they can't protect themselves or other people. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I think that it's a sin lacked a little bit, you yeah. know, like the after information about you equals you. So undetectable means that it's untransmittable yeah. now. So if you have an undetectable viral load, it means that you can't pass it on to your partner now. Okay. And the only way that you can know if you've got that is by being diagnosed first. And Darren... How easy is testing these days? Is it something to be scared of? No, not at all. And it's really easy. And the support that you can get around it from organisations like LGBT Foundation, BHA from Equality, there's loads of places. You can get your kit online. You can do it at home. And, you know, if the outcome is that you're actually positive, you can get in touch with us, the brilliant team at George House Trust, and be supported through that journey. And that's why we work in partnership, really, on this, because we want it to be the best outcome for anybody, regardless of whether it's a positive or a negative result, so that they can live their life and have the best life they can. And, and avoiding getting it, how, how is that these days achieved? Well, um, there's lots of different things. So, um, obviously, 
Davina's just nailed you equals you, so thank you. I don't need to share that. It's brilliant. This is exactly the kind of ambassadors we need, so thank you. But um, there's also um, traditional approaches, people using condoms, but then there's PrEP, um, which is a tablet that can be taken to prevent HIV, um, and you can get that as part of prevention tools, so you can go to your clinic and talk to the clinic about that. Um, so that's And there's other measures as well. Um, so ultimately, it's about having the sex that you want, keeping it as safe as you can, and understanding HIV, as Davina said, and being aware of it so you can take the measures you need. Okay, then. So uh, just before we let you go, then, Darren, what's, what's your goal with the George House Trust? We want people living with HIV to have the best life. We want them to live confidently, and we want them to live healthily and happily and that's what's important to us so everything that we do points towards that so um all the services we provide the awareness raising we do the tackling stigma the involvement and working in partnership with other organizations it's all about people understanding hiv and living confidently with it excellent darren from the george house trust thank you so much for your time today getting you on more and more because i believe it really needs to be talked about and really needs uh, to help your wonderful charity as well so perhaps Thanks we'll see for you in april for, for announcing something exciting 100 <clears throat> percent. i'm all yours i'm all yours good that'll be april 21st so i'll put it in your diary there's a good boy thank you <laughs> cheers now darren thank you you too have, have fun <laughs> oh dear do you know, some days, it, it, I think he's quite fabulous. He's got one of them accents that I quite rather like. Yes. It's not absolutely. common like mine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> fabulous. Uh, all right, then. We are going to get to the moment in a minute where we talk about your rise, TV and fame. Let's have a look at some comments. Here we are. Ooh, hello. Here we go. There, look at this. Most iconic Divina De Campo comment dis- Deep drag race, a red wig and a silver dra- I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and it's the bit after that that is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Unsuitable for broadcast. Okay. <laughs> Two of my fake queens, thank you very much. Hello. Uh, who else have we got here? Oh, yeah, put that one on. There's a good one. And one of our sponsors there, Mark Ribbis. Good evening from all at Real Tiltation for Independence. Of course, a sponsor for our uh, weather and, of course, our programme as well. Uh, I am screaming at this. <laughs> You don't know how much I have. I've had to wear three tenor ladies today. My, Terrible. My thing is laid like a lasagna. Honestly, it is that. We've had bad. a rug doctor on this carpet all day. I've had to laminate my pelvic terrible. floor. I have, honestly. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, hi, ladies from Ben Whitaker there. Loads of comments. Keep them coming in because in just a couple of minutes' time, we are going to open it up to you to ask questions to Davina. Uh, so ask anything you want. I didn't know about this. <laughs> When you see a certain iconic moment in a minute, uh, we will be asking uh, you to open up the, the floor and you'll be asking whatever questions well, I, you I need to I wondered what you were going to say then. Open up once more! I keep sitting here. And because I'm engrossed in the conversation today, I'm sat here like Onslow from Ayrston Fouquet going, hello, are you all right? I tell you, it's bad, isn't it? <laughs> So anyway, I reached over for my me, me cranberry juice because I've got a bit of thrush at the moment. Um, are you taking another there pillow are, out yeah. now? Oh, that's better. Oh, merchandise, that, now, merchandise. Though, yeah. So you, you then moved on to a few TV programmes. Of course, you were, yes. you were in All Together Now with what? the teeth. What's his name? Beckett. Oh, yeah. yeah. You were in He's there with right. him and, and, and a Spice Girl. 
Yeah, Jerry Horner. Jerry Horner. Yeah. And of course, you, next stood next to you was part of Calabro. It was, Michael. Yeah. yeah. For series two, Michael Auger. Now, there was a few comments piping around on the old socials that you and him were entwined in some sort of way. Do you deny or confirm? I could neither deny or confirm, <laughs> but I wish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was, was he your favourite one in Calabro? Ah. Uh, well, I didn't know anybody else in Calabro oh, did you at not? the time. No, but now I know the rest of them, you see. Yeah, um, so, which, which, yeah. if, yeah. Okay, so you went from that. Um, I quite like tall ones, Jamie's quite tall, you see. Oh, uh, tall. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't work for you two. No. No, no, no. Two camp together. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Plus, you've got a lovely other half anyway, haven't you? I do. I have a wonderful husband. Now, where did you meet him? Just before we move on to the RuPaul Drag Race UK questions. Uh, I met him in Stoke, actually. He was running a nightclub. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was crossing a car park and... He ran you over? Our eyes oh. met. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> bump to bumper. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. And how long have you been together for now? Uh 15 years. And he's so supportive of you, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean... And same, like, you know, whatever he wants to do, I am more than happy to help him. And and that's, that's I think, a big part of why our relationship has, has been so good, because uh, we're not trying to control each other, and no. we're, we just want each other to be happy. Yeah. Now, we were sat in um, Velvet with uh, Carl Darcy, dear friend yeah. of ours, and... We were sat there and we were both umming and ahhing about entering a certain competition. Yeah. Do you remember that day? And we were sat there and we had a good few little drinkage. And by the end of it, you said, well, I'm going to do it. And by the end of it, I said, I couldn't possibly. Yeah. And, um, more fool me. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> All right, you've ended up with a good light in this. Of what? Ended up with a good look light? Look at this light. Look, she looks stunning. I I'm... look like a washed out ghost. Ooh. That's what we call, I think that's what you refer to as you walked into the RuPaul Drag Race as season one lighting. <laughs> um, <laughs> cruel. <laughs> cruel but flattering because you have to put more makeup on. If I lose another feather off here, it's not worth the picking uh, well. money. I tell you. So you went in there into RuPaul's Drag Race and my goodness, did you turn out some looks. Let's first address the your acting challenge and you get emotional. Yeah, I did, and um, I look completely bonkers because it just seems to come out of nowhere. Well, I, so, I don't think you look bonkers, though. Just before you carry I think you look like you're... And judging by your story, that would make sense why you got so emotional about it, because you're getting approval. Yes. That's how it comes across to me, but you've obviously got a different side to it. What's your side? Yeah, and it, it's... Uh, I felt kind of responsible, in a way, because I'd had more experience than anybody else um, in theatre and, you know, all of that stuff, whatever, yeah. and it bombed. Some of it was just because other people didn't learn their words. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then on the runway, um, they just slated me. And you don't see it. That's no. the thing. You don't get to see, like, when what you're on the slating? runway, you get, like, 20, 30 minutes of them critiquing you. No. And it's hardcore. It is hardcore. Um so they just slated me and, sl and said the outfit was terrible and this was rubbish and that wasn't any good and blah, 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 blah. And then they go, how do you feel? <laughs> oh, why am I here? You oh. know? Um, 
So that was why. Yeah. Um, that was why. Well, that makes... I mean, was it a happy experience for you? No, God, no. I hate competitions. I don't like them. You know, like when I did The Voice, that's why I took that song, because yeah. I knew they wouldn't turn around for it. Because I didn't want them to. Yeah. I wanted to go in, get me a little bit of exposure. Thanks, Tara. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, but... Drag race is that enormous opportunity. So you have to kind of, of weigh them up, don't yeah. you? You have to yeah. weigh it up and go, okay, well, do I want to move to the next level in my career? This will allow me to do It'll that. It'll you, of course, yeah. Do is you it do worth it? going through it? Yeah. Yeah, it is, actually. It is worth going through it. And what about behind the scenes then? Because obviously we only see what's on the yeah. screen. I mean, how manipulated, for want of a better word, is what we see on the screen? Um, actually, like what we did... Was not, yeah. not in my, you know, from other people, maybe they think that it was really highly manipulated. But from what I was experiencing in there, um, the producers weren't coming in and going, you know, right, we need you to talk about your dead cat. Yes. You know, it wasn't like that right. with us. Um, and I felt like what, what you saw on, on screen actually was a real fair representation of everybody. You know, there was only really one moment where I felt, um, Cheryl in the Snatch Game didn't get a fair crack because she was really funny yeah. in the Snatch Game and you didn't really get to see her. But in every other part of the show, I thought they did an incredible job Yeah, because it was just really honest. And you're put in a hotel. Yeah. Uh, you don't see anybody. No! You've been with your partner for years <laughs> and all of a sudden you're not allowed to speak to him, you're yeah. not allowed to see him. How does that affect your, your psyche? Yeah, it, I mean, that's really... Um, Really strange to be cut off from everybody. That's a really good word, cut yeah. off, yeah. And that is, that is what it's like. So for the whole time that you're in there filming, you're not allowed to speak to anybody else. Oof. And if the cameras aren't rolling, you're not speaking either. Wow. Yeah, they, you're not allowed to talk. And it's, you know, I totally understand why. It's because then they don't miss anything. That yeah, you, you it know, becomes you might a business say something and a really interesting, yeah. Yeah. and then it's gone. So that way, you know, any conversation that crops up and, you know, British queens are re we're renowned for chatting, aren't we? Yeah. Like I could, I went and did a <laughs> wedding. I did two hours. I did two hours and sang six songs because I just talked. You talk. I mean, yeah. and as long and as a lot of queens can't do that no. these days. And once you're, once you're in the flow of it and it, people are laughing and you're on it, mm -hmm. well, it's fine. You can, you could go all night long if you wanted. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're ready to talk most of the time, British Queens. Yeah. Uh, you turned out some amazing looks. We've seen a few of them there. Uh, I suppose, did you have a favourite one or a least favourite one? Um, my favourite look? Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe my favourite look was the finale outfit. Yeah. I just wanted something that was really sophisticated yeah. and not to, I didn't want all the sparkles and all the sequins and all of, I'd done that already. You'd seen loads of sparkles, yeah. loads of sequins, all of that stuff. And I wanted something that was just uh, simple and elegant. That's yeah. what I wanted. Red wig, silver dress. I mean, you do own a red wig. I do. You do own a silver dress. I do. Do you feel that you've, you've made a career out of wearing a red wig and a silver dress? Well, I don't know. You tell me. I know. You'd seen no. me more. You no. know, I was at the Rem Bar eight, that, nine that's times. That's your kind of your image and your, you know, if we were to caricature you, we were, if we were to draw you, I think the yeah. first thing we would draw is that. Like, but, everyone's got a promo picture, you know don't I mean? they? But I have you always worn a red wig and a, a, a silver dress? No. Now, you're one of these queens that's, that's, that's very lucky because of your slim physique that can 
adhere yourself to many different looks and characters. All far too gorgeous for my liking, but, I mean, you do it. So being attacked for wearing, for, for being a few times known for wearing a red wig and a silver dress, how did that make you feel? Well, it was more that that's somebody who I've known for 12 years. Yeah. Uh, I felt like we'd had a friendship. Yeah. Um, and uh, coming into that competition, actually, that became really clear that that was not the case. Right. Um, so uh, I was, you know, and when you're in a competition and you think at least this person's here. Yes. And I'll have a friend. Yes. And then that isn't the case at all. Yeah. It, that's very difficult to deal with. Absolutely. Um. And you sort of think, oh. So you think you've got your confidant there. And then you're questioning everything the yeah. whole time. And I'm one of those people. I'm very anxious anyway. Um, you know, you present this persona of confidence. That's your job. That's yeah. what you're here to do. So, you know. But it's a facade, isn't it? Of course. I mean, you know, just like most very performers, yeah. you're absolutely wrapped with all these anxieties. And am I good enough? Am yeah. I just pretending that yeah. I can do this? Or can I actually do this? Like, what? Um, and so then you, that's just kind of heaped on top of you again, that you're questioning everything else then. Like, oh, I thought that this was what it was and it's not what it is at all. So then you're questioning everything over and over again. But after competition had done, you didn't sit on your laurels with that statement. Oh, you turned it totally to your advantage. You darling. With your song. This, listen, this is, but the whole thing with that is, if somebody throws something like that at you, what are you going to do? You're going to push against it and go, no, and be like a... a about it yeah. or are you going to go well fine I'll take that I'll own it and I'll turn it into something else so, so how I've soon after silver into gold how well, absolutely how soon after that incident in the workroom did you think um, was you already preparing the red wig silver dress song oh well it was part of the plan for after like the promo looks were all done after the show has been filmed yeah um so that was why I wore a red wig and a silver dress in the promo looks. Oh, you clever cow. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, and I, you know, I'm that petty, yeah. petty person. And that, so that's fine. <laughs> I can own it. Um, and so, yeah, the plan was that I would write a song about that. Yeah. Just make fun of it. Yeah. You know, just make fun of it. Because how ridiculous. Somebody, you know, when I started on Canal Street... Uh, for the two years that I was there, yeah. I was doing promo every Friday night and I never once wore the same no. outfit. Never once in two years. No. So, mm, is what she said true? No. So I can just take that and I can turn it on its head and make it into something, you know, So that's what you suggest power. to people that are watching this then. If something's thrown at you, turn it around. Oh, absolutely. 100%. If somebody says something that is uh, untrue, take it. Yeah. Take that. Turn it into something useful and good. Because, you know, that's... That's what it's about. That's what life is about. Taking what people, especially like as a little queer kid, the only thing that you can do is take what people have said to hurt you yes. and turn it into your power. Absolutely. Uh, we have got some comments coming in here now. Let's have a look. This is from your divinators. Yes, indeed. Uh, that's Amy Foy. She says, hi, Davina. Uh, we are the di all in the divinators group chat. Want to thank you for all you do and what you represent. Oh. We love you. I mean... These are comments, I mean, there's plenty of these. Let's have that one. How deeply marvellous to have you both being fabulous on screen. Thank you very much, Mr. Jonathan Mayer. Uh, let's have that one from Amaryllis. Yes, there we go. Hi, DDC. DDC. <laughs> hey, that's another thing that you started. Yeah. Uh, you have said 
that you are not a look queen, but I think you served some of the best looks on RuPaul's Drag Race, I agree. Uh, what inspires your fashion, uh, you fashion-wise, and how do you balance trying new things when you are so busy? I've been, I've, uh, before I went in, you know, I know I'm very safe a lot of the time, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm looking at drag stuff. What is going to, because a lot of it is that, you know, you see me on stage, I run around, I'm, yeah, you know, I mean, you I'm don't very, stay still. No, I'm no. very frenetic on stage. So there, it's like there a Disney cartoon exactly. on speed, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there has to be like an element of practicality about stuff as well. Absolutely. Because otherwise, you're just trapped in your, your of outfit. Of course. Yeah. Um, so I was, <laughs> I would, I'm saying, yes, of course. <laughs> Done the same show for 10 years. <laughs> but go on, yes. Nod, nod. <laughs> so I was. I was very aware of that, so I'm looking at lots of uh, McQueen runways before I went in. Right. I was watching lots of Westwood runways. Um, I was looking at uh, Vogue. I was buying Vogue every month and, you know, going through it and looking at, okay, what are these things? Just to kind of give me uh, inspiration for when I was making things. What are the shapes? What are the things that I'm going to want to try and create um, out of? whatever it is that because you know that there's a sewing challenge coming you Absolutely. know that that's going to happen and this is what i don't understand when some of the queens going oh i've never sewn you know you're going in there i presume a few weeks beforehand yes so you know you're going to have a sewing challenge yeah i just so could you not just put a simple pattern yeah in your, in your, in your suitcase i mean that is absolutely what i think most people should do yeah just take a really simple pattern with you like the thing that i used to do all the time was i bought um because i used to work a lot with ginger hunter and very cherry yeah yeah um, and so I bought us all a uh, leotard off um, yeah. eBay, one with sleeves. So just a leotard with sleeves. Right. And that way you've got the pattern for a sleeve. Yeah. You've got the pattern for a top in yeah. stretch. You've got the pattern for a neck. And if you want a dress, all you have to do is, because it's got the hip shape in yeah, it yeah. already. So then you just extend down out of the hip shape. And then you yeah. can make a fishtail or, yeah. you know, you can turn it into anything from that. But this is what I mean about what I spoke to about foot. You're there to help. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. You are. And I, when we were doing the sewing challenge, you know, I was helping other yeah. people, you know, going, all right, I'll help you glue some of these fingers on your dress, Cheryl. I don't use a glue gun, <laughs> me. Can't stand glue guns. I end up with, with fingers that are just disgusting yeah. to look at. We've got another question. I do want to go through as many questions as possible. Uh, let's have that one. Yeah. Um, if you could have been on a US season, I guess of RuPaul's Drag Race, oh. uh, which would it have been? And then we'll move on to Tony's um, question as well. I'd probably, I, my favourite US season is season six. Is that the... Uh, Bianca, Adore, yes. Courtney, Gia Gunn, That's a legend Laganja. season, isn't it? I mean, it was just, and the thing is, there's so many amazing people in there. You, like, it's very, it's difficult well, it, to it was, imagine it being yeah, that many it talented people. it was that people. season that, inspired me to continue watching it because till then it was very much this is a queen it's a model basically uh, the fact that there was then these personalities in season six yeah. was for somebody who's stuck in my ways yeah. quite invigorating to watch personalities and massive talent yes. as well like all of those people are really genuinely very talented mm -hmm. um so that's my favorite one but i wouldn't want to be in that one i'd want to be in like one of the rubbish if there's ones. an all-stars <laughs> if there's an all-stars would you be in it um not right now. My career's fine. Okay. I don't want to go through that again just oh, yet. Right. <laughs> okay, let's have the next question then. Uh, to Davina, if you could sit in a room with any drag queen and say, and, and say, just stop, who would it be? And just say, just stop. Don't say a word to me, otherwise I will hit you. But go on, who, who would it be? Um, I think she's stopped already. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody's booking it. So I'm not even going to speak her name because like the devil, she might appear. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll find out. <laughs> she's still on the internet. She was slagging me off the other day, but I'm pretty sure she's not booked and blessed, so I'm All not right. worried. Let's, let's have the next question. Uh, thoughts on Joe Black this season? Oh. H&M dress drama, etc. Listen, I just think that's bonkers. <laughs> Absolutely bonkers. The whole thing, I think it's bonkers. I think the whole way that Joe uh, was perceived and treated in, in the competition was insane. I don't see David Bowie. Have you got your eyes shut? Like, what? I know. Oh, I don't see uh, the pavilion. As soon as she walked around the corner, I was like, oh, it's the pavilion. Yeah. Like, as soon as she walked around the corner. So, well, it's more Renaissance than Rococo. What? This isn't Antiques Roadshow. But do you think it's because a lot of them are American judges? I mean, you've got half of that panel, no matter which way you look at it, that are American judges. Yeah. Do you think that the panel in the UK should be more UK-based? I think it would help. I think that would help. I think it would help to have somebody who's integrated into the UK drag scene for uh-huh. a start, like has a real good understanding of UK drag and its history, because it's very different to yeah, American totally. drag. Yeah. It's very different. Just because of the way that it's come up, you know, we haven't come from the pageant and the uh, Vogue scene. That, no. isn't, that isn't our history. Our history is like gang shows, theatre, entertainment. So, you know, like RuPaul trying to talk about... Uh, panto and going I've been told that this is what panto looks at you know why do you not know yeah that's your job if you're going to be on a show judging people yeah the very minimum is to do your due diligence and do a bit of research before you come on to judge people well speaking about research what do you feel about um drag queens knowing their their lgbt history Absolutely obviously one drag essential. queen came up and got a bit relegated for that for not knowing who our lovely uh, mr turing was yeah I mean there's it's difficult, this one. There's huge pressure on drag queens to be everything, know everything, mm-hmm. be able to do everything, and then be amazing speakers and eloquent and yes. articulate. And, and that isn't what all drag queens do. That no. isn't. You know, some drag queens do that. Other drag queens do this. And yeah. other drag queens do that. You know, like some drag queens only ever do ladies' nights. They don't do gay bars. They don't yeah. do LGBTQ venues. They just do ladies' nights. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. You can't expect everybody to be a spokesperson for the community. No, no, that's um, not. There are some key characters that you really should know, though. Yeah. You know, like Emmeline Pankhurst, Turing, uh, Lily Savage, Julian Clary. You know, yeah. these key people who have really informed how uh, queer people are viewed. Yeah. Okay, let's have the next question while we're there then, please, because I did see a few interesting ones. Uh, from Freddie Lawson, wherever that was going. Hi, oh, there we are. To Davina, um, is there any particular young queens that have caught your eye and you would like to help grow? Uh, no. Okay. I don't want to help anybody grow. <laughs> I've got my own gigs. Yeah. <laughs> Stop coming for my gigs. Uh, there's l- the thing is, there are so many amazing, like, young queens who are coming yeah. up at the moment um what what it's ah what it's all about is um whether i think there is like a, a, a an amount of time that you need to cook as a drag queen of course you know like i i feel i wasn't really a drag queen until i was about 30 right you know because you need to have that yeah there's a, a certain age thing to yeah standing in a in a gay bar in front of 50 year old men yeah as a 21-year-old, that you don't always have that gravitas, you know? And I suppose from 
a traditional, as I would class myself, mm. a traditional drag queen. Do you think traditional drag queens, you know, on the other side of the coin, should be learning what the younger queens are doing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's stuff that all of us can learn all the time. Yeah. And that, you've done this. You know, yeah. we've, we were kind of very much the same when I started at the REM, you know. very, yeah. And both of us have stepped up of, as soon as it start, you know, as things change, you have to recognise that and go, okay. You know, it's business, isn't it? That's of business. Course it is. It's just part of business. What is it that the audience are expecting to yeah. see? Let me deliver some more of that for them as well, as well as what I'm interested in. And has RuPaul's Drag Race damaged traditional queens? I think there's an element of the look is becoming more important than the content. You know, and I talk about drag as like, it's actually what you do rather than how you look. This is... It's like a Christmas present. So this is the wrapping paper. Yeah. And then what I'm doing on stage is the actual present. Okay. You know? Yeah. I like that. I'm just going to take Brent's comment there. I think that was a little bit for... Yes, thank you. Because I think this is very important. (laughs) 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 And uh, what we see now is a surge in love hearts, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, Agreed, (laughs) agreed, agreed. Um... (laughs) What else have we got then? Let's have Sarah Lloyd's comment there. Uh, Davina, would you go into another show? Could you see the, that red wig and silver dress in the jungle, maybe? Um, yeah, but I'm vegetarian, so I'm not eating any anus. Apart from... <laughs> I was going to say, it's a bit late in the day to bring that up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, we've got Lady Imelda oh. watching today as well. Davina, I love you long time from love Lady Love you too, Imelda. Amanda's uh, an amazing queen. Okay. Do we, oh, right. And finally, just before we uh, keep the questions coming, people, because she can't go anywhere because we've locked the door. Uh, Tony, Tony Cooper at the bottom there again. Let's just bring him in quickly. Davina, do we forgive or educate or do we cancel people who are transphobic? This, this is, this is um, uh, a difficult question. There's a, it depends on the, the context. So if, you, if people have tried to educate you and... And yet you continue. And, it, you know, the stats are really, really clear. Trans people have been using the facilities assigned with their, uh, the gender that they, um, they are since 2003 and before, you know, way before that. Yeah. But 2003, like legally, it's been absolutely fine. And nobody's been searching anybody's knickers before they've gone in for a wee. Um, and has there been a huge rise in crimes? No, there hasn't. So all of these ideas about trans people are based on fear that is not real. It's not borne out by any of the data. Um, And actually, even when you're talking about sports, where are all of the trans Olympic athletes? Well, there aren't any. No. There's one trans athlete, and that's a male trans athlete who's doing amazingly well. Yeah. So there are no female trans athletes. In the Olympics. And the reason for that is because they're not pushing cis women out of sport. That's not happening. This is another thing that is uh, being fueled by fear rather than about data. So if if you are spouting transphobic stuff and you're just not educated. I mean, for one, it's 2021. You have this amazing thing in your hand. You can find out all the information that you could possibly need about everything. So go and do some homework before you start spouting that stuff. And then if people have tried to educate you and you are still ignoring all the data, all the facts, all of the um, 
all of the information, then I don't need to engage with you. And it's not about cancelling. It's just about actually we're at that point where people are allowed to speak. Yes. And you can speak. Yeah. But I am also allowed not to listen to you. You are not automatically given the right to a platform. Yeah. Especially if what you're saying is just not true. Do you think you feel more passionate about these issues because of what we discussed right at the very beginning of the interview, how you were treated growing up? Yeah, I think there's an element of that because uh, it was very much the same in the 90s. You know, it was Mm -hmm. just... Horrendous. Fake. Yeah. Fake news. Actual fake news. Not Trump fake news. No, no, yeah. Actual fake news. You know, saying that gay people are uh, predators and that they're paedophiles. And these are the same arguments that we're hearing about trans people. Yeah. And it's not actually about trans people that we're talking about. We're talking about cis straight men. Yeah. That's actually what we're talking about. So what we should be doing is having a conversation about how we change the culture of cis straight men, not about excluding trans people. Yeah. That's where the conversation should be being had. I mean, education is ever so important. Um, I'm learning this week, and I don't mind admitting that I am educating myself on something that you brought to me, which is this non-binary um, now, perhaps explain what that means to you and, and what it means. So for me, it's like, you know, they, most people are either ma- a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And I, that doesn't work for me. I am not a man and I am not a woman. I am not part of that binary. Okay. And it is literally just as simple as that. That is the binary, male or female. I don't think that that is a true representation of actually what it's like to be a human living mm-hmm. in the world. And it, it's such a simple thing when you describe it like this. Um, how has it um, affected your life? Um, I mean, I've, al- <laughs> I've always just been myself and just gone, well, I'd, I'm not that worried about what other people think about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been really, really lucky that that has been my attitude for most of my life, that I've just gone, well, it doesn't really matter what you think about me because yeah. you're not me. Um, so, you know, at university, I did lots of reading about gender, gender performativity, yeah. lots of butler, you know, loads of that stuff. And that helped me to sort of understand that actually there are other ways to exist. And historically, most other cultures have not just had one or the other. There has been a, a, a wider spread of, um, of ways of describing your lived experience. Okay. Um, and it's something that the church has uh, has sort of exported through uh, colonialism, you know. Uh, Religion has a lot to blame Rome. itself for, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Ancient Rome, exporting that all over the place. And then the UK, as we go out and, you know, colonise in India and Australia and then America, we've crushed those ideas in those places mm. as well. Yeah. Um, and the unfortunate thing is that that's having a lasting effect the the ideas that we took there 200, 300 years ago yeah. are, are still having a lasting effect now. So in places like India, there's still lots of homophobia. Same with Australia. There's America. You know, those ideas that we've embedded into those cultures yeah. are still being um, propagated there. It's strange. I think we're moving further, better forward, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah, we I are. think so. We're, we're getting there. I mean, it's nowhere near perfect, is it? But... I guess no. that's why we have pride still. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, people talk about, oh, you don't need pride anymore, you've got equality, blah, 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 blah. Well, listen, you walk down Salford High Street, yes. dressed in your Nancy gear, yeah. and tell me that we've got equality. Yeah. No, there's still people who've got massive issues about 
people's gender or their sexuality. So actually, we're not there yet. So and, straight pride? Oh, this super straight thing. I mean, just pure transphobia. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so stupid. So, and it's so obvious. And then, you know, uh, I think hopefully this week, because the evangelical church has been really, really clear that they want to separate the LGBTQ community. They talked about it five years ago. They made it as one of their kind of fundamental um, missions. It was part of their mission statement as an organization to separate us because then it's easier to take away our rights. Yes. That has resurfaced in the news this week. Yeah. So hopefully what will happen is that, you know, the clowns who are behind the LGB allowance, alliance um, will realise that they're aligning themselves with far-right far fascist organisations. OK. Right, let's have a look. Any more questions while we're here? Thanks, let's babes. Yes, let's, let's, I was going to touch on that in a second, but I guess the cat's out of the hat now, isn't it? Uh, you're going into Chicago. Yeah. Now, you're going in as Mary Sunshine. I am. Which suits you absolutely perfect. <laughs> and uh, you are, love, you are going into Chicago, the musical, as Mary Sunshine. How did you audition for the part and where did you hear about the part coming up? Plus, oh my God, it's a full... Yeah. Plus, what do you think about the theatre situation? Let's take, first of all, Mary Sunshine. You've always been into musical theatre. You've said yeah. that quite a few times today. Uh, Mary Sunshine, ever a role up until now that you wanted to go for? Absolutely. This is a dream come true for me. Like, this is a real, um, you know, like, you feel like you've arrived. Yes. This is is that moment for me. Um, And I've been singing this song, you know, I found this song when I was about 19, 20. And I've been singing it since then. You know, for 20 years I've been singing this song. And apparently wrong. Oh, right. (laughs) I've been singing the wrong note. (laughs) You're very lucky. I was always given the part of Mr. Cellophane as a oh, young okay. star. Yeah. yeah, which I, I like that song. I think it's a great song. I was never dazzly enough to be Razzle Dazzle, though, was I? I was always... <laughs> Kiss me ass. Um, the audition on. process was just the same as anybody else. Yeah. Like, you have to... So you did audition tape. for it, then? Yeah, absolutely, right. yeah. Yeah, they don't... They, I mean, this is a proper show. They're not yeah. just going to automatically hand out a role. Um, just like, you know... Anybody else, you have to go and audition. Yeah. Um, they're not automatically I think some of our viewers would presume, though, that because you've had the exposure of yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race, that it's not a situation you have to put yourself in these days, but you actually had to sit, Absolutely. stand there and yep. sing had the song and, and audition. Had it. to go and do the audition, um, get on the train. Call so I, I, well, I'd done uh, a tape for it. I'd had a couple of meetings with um, the directors and the musical directors and then went to London and did an audition for them in the room. Um and sang the song and then they were like oh sing it again sing it again and then they were like okay did you manage to have a good warm-up this morning and I was like no that was my warm-up like I what am I going to do in carriage b go all right sorry guys I'm just gonna uh, hold on <laughs> I think the important thing to take from that is carriage b yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen I'm not in first class that's for sure. it's not far off though is it it's not far off let's be honest <laughs> Um, any more questions? So you, you auditioned for it. You're going to be Mary Sunshine. You would be good. You'd be good to Mama. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see Jonathan oh, Mayer yeah. doing that. Oh, but uh, that's Jonathan Mayer saying that w- Belinda would do Mama marvelous. That Mama Martin. I, I believe that. I, I believe it would so be too. Great. Yes. What's so, your favourite song? Is it Class or is it When You're Good to Mama? Uh, when you're good to Mama. Yeah. Yeah. I know. 
I'm, I'm not destined to be glamorous for that one. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. 25 years next year I've been doing this and I think about <laughs> two years out of the entire career I've been ever placed in anything glamorous. So I think you've got to know your power, haven't you? Today I I'm do. sat here looking like I've murdered um, <laughs> Cuddles the monkey. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, you had to go somewhere, didn't you? I tell you, right, we've got one more, couple more questions. Come on, let's have these now. Uh, oh. Here we are. Uh, hi, Davina, darling. It's Sugar Cube. Oh. Oh, do, do you know who we're talking? Yes, yes good. I do. Uh, what do you think about be uh, about disabled LGBTQ community? Why do you think the disabled community has been left out? Uh, good luck, love. Yeah, I think this is another thing, uh, and I talk about this a lot, actually. Society itself is kind of organised around straight white men. And it feels like an attack. That feels like an attack to people. And it's not. It's just an observation. Because it is. Like, if you look at the town hall, yeah. who is it designed by? Yeah. By a straight white man. Yeah. Because you know that if it had been designed by a woman, she wouldn't have put stairs in there. <laughs> because if you're a woman, yeah. you know that at some point you're probably going to have a buggy. Yeah. So you're going to put a ramp in there. Yeah. Because otherwise, this place is not accessible to you. Yeah. And that's unfortunately what most of our buildings have been. Mm. They've been inaccessible to people who are not straight white men. Yeah. And in terms of the gay community, a lot of our venues are in old ramshackle buildings. You know, we move into the spaces that nobody else wants. Yeah. You know, like Canal Street, when we moved in there, was a dump. Mm -hmm. It was an absolute dump. And now, just like it happens everywhere, the gay community moves in, the artists move in, they make the area nicer, they make it uh, successful, and then the corporations move in and they gentrify it, and then they move us out and we have to go somewhere else. You know, it happens everywhere. We can see that in London. Um, And I think that that's a big part of how a lot of disabled people have been left out of the... Uh, out of gay venues um, because they're just not set up um, with disabled people in mind. Yeah. Um, But there are lots of venues who do have disabled access. And actually Manchester is uh, better, I think, than a lot of other places for having venues which are disabled access. Yeah. uh, Which do have decent disabled access. Okay. Right then. I'm loving all these questions. We are going to have to wrap up soon, everybody. I feel like I'm on a political broadcast right now. No, but this is... (laughs) No. Here's some politics. Here's some history. Here's <laughs> this is this is what I'm saying is so important, and why I wanted to have you on the show on your own and spend this time with you. Yeah, because you have your opinions, and I'll go back to it and I'll say it a good few times. You're always there for somebody else. Yeah, and this is why I wanted to just have you here and you solely rather than you know a show with this, this, and that. We have to have the weather because it's Paul Rudd, and I love that man. Love right. Paul, right. Okay. Uh, next question, please, and then we are going to. Um, we're gonna, here we go. Right then, let's have the the, uh, the last one from Sarah Lloyd because that's quite a chunky one. Here we right, go then. Okay. With the COVID situation and people loosening, losing jobs, not loosening <laughs> jobs, um, bars being shut and both sides of the coin need the coin. What? Both sides? I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, will we see you supporting Canal Street bars and hitting their stages for people who can't always afford tickets for gigs? Ooh. Uh, we want to see you as much as possible i'm sure they do and I, but it's important that people realize that what you do and what i do is a business as well yeah the, and it's um there's there are things which i can now do which mm-hmm. i wouldn't have been able to do you know working for free so will i still turn up for charity gigs absolutely you're here tonight 
Oh, God. So, you know, like I've said as much to uh, Misty and Ivory, I know that they've got uh, yeah. Charity Night in the works. Yeah. And I've said to them, if you want me, I will come. <laughs> yeah. And I'm more than happy to come and do a number and, you know, uh, support that stuff. Yeah. Um, but where am I more interested in, in making work and things that fulfil me as an artist? Of course. I'm, I am more interested in theatre land. Yeah. Um, and How long are you doing Chicago for? Where's it at? Where can we catch you? I'm in uh, Chicago for three months which is September, October and November. Um, I'm all over the place. You'll be able to find that on my socials. Um, but I'm the, one of the places where I'm really, really looking forward to going is Bradford because hey, the Alhambra was the, Alhambra. the first place I saw a ballet. It was the first place I saw a musical. It was the first place I saw an opera. Um, and it's, it was also one of the first places where I uh, went backstage and met the cast in a musical. Um, <sighs> You know, so I, I have lots of really, really fond memories of that theatre particularly. Um, so I'm really excited about being there. And of course, Bradford is just up the road from Brighouse. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I spent a lot of time there. Do you return back to Brighouse much? I try and go as much as I can, yeah, to see see the fam. Yeah. Um, and catch up with them all. I, I don't get there as much as I would like. And of course, COVID has put a bit of a dampener on seeing yeah, anybody. <laughs> And on that cheerful note, we are, un- <laughs> we are unfortunately... We've got an angry face there. Who's got an angry face on? <laughs> and on that note, everybody, you have been uh, an absolute joy this evening. Thank you so much for Thanks coming for doing this today. It's, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Occasionally a chore. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, in the meantime... <laughs> in the meantime... My director's right going in my ear to there. I tell you. Right then. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Vida De Campo, thank you for being in conversation with me on this week's episode of Your Manchester!